in the name of Jesus, we honor you and bless you. Father, we agree together. Let me, let me just stop for a second. Let me teach you how to pray in agreement, okay? What, one of the things that we do as a church, and I came out of a tradition where we prayed real quiet. And i got to tell you something. Whenever I was the one leading that prayer, it was a lot of work. I felt like I was dragging a tractor tower sometimes. It's like, come on, we can go. Look, come with. But here's the thing about being in a church like ours. We don't have to be quiet. Amen? Amen. So, when we talk about praying in agreement, one of the things that we do, we've been practicing this in our staff meeting, we've been practicing it back here in our 930 meeting, but I think we should do it as a body, whereby you learn to give verbal uh, acknowledgement to what's being prayed. In other words, if you're in agreement with what's being prayed, don't just think in your mind, I'm in agreement. Begin to let your mouth express it. In other words, if I'm praying or Pastor Rich is praying or whoever is, a Josh or Sammy or anybody, then what happens is when they're praying, I go, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Amen, Lord. Yes, Lord. You know what I've learned about that? I've learned that, that just it's a tactile thing that where if you're writing and taking notes, you retain a lot more if you're just not doing anything, right? We know that to be a fact. But there's also a fact that you're much more engaged when you acknowledge with your mouth what is going on. Is this okay? Is this, this is discipleship here. So what I want to encourage you to do so that we're all locked in together is that whether it's me or anyone else praying, begin to allow your mouth to express what your mind is thinking. Yes, Lord. That's great, Lord. That's great. Amen. Yes. Yes, Lord. Amen. Sometimes even when we're in there and in different prayer environments, a scripture will come to my mind and I'll utter that under my breath quietly. Or maybe even a song. I started singing uh, in our staff meeting uh, just real under my breath because a song came to my mind that really captured there. And what that does, it keeps you engaged. Is this okay? You hearing this? You're learning something. All right. Y'all ready to pray? You ready to really pray? All right, here we go. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, we come together right now. Come on, somebody agree with me. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being here this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the honor, the joy, Lord, of getting to wor- enter into worship, the getting to praise you, getting to celebrate what you're doing in our lives. Father, I thank you that you're already moving throughout this sanctuary. You're already moving in people's lives, Father. We have this greater tabernacle, but Lord, each of us represents a temple of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we declare, Lord, Jesus is Lord over our physical temple in Jesus' name. We declare that you're already moving. You're already working. You're already orchestrating situations, thoughts, moments, events on our behalf. Father, right now, we thank you for your word, which is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And right now, Lord, we set our minds to be learners, to be students, to be disciples. Lord, we listen for your word. We know that one word from God can change our lives forever. Lord, we're looking for a word today. We're looking for you to speak to our hearts today. We're looking for change today in the name of Jesus, Lord. Father, I pray for every heart, every mind, Lord, today, that, Father, as Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1, that we would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, Father. Lord, having our eyes opened, illumined, Lord, that we may be see, that we, that we may know what is the height, the depth, and the width of the hope of our calling, Father. So, Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege of being here. We pray for one another. In fact, why don't you just take a moment and just not...
not you don't have to break rank or anything, but just just the person on either side of you. Can we just take a moment and pray for that person on either side of you? Father, we lift up the person on the right to us right now in the name of Jesus. Father, whatever they're going through, whatever their situation is, Father, whether they're they're in a season of growth and expansion and development, or whether they're uh, going through a valley time right now, it's all good because you're there, Father. It's all good because you're working on their behalf, and we ask you to bless them and encourage them for the person on our left, Father. Lord, we declare your goodness. We declare your grace over them, Father. We declare that you're active, that you're involved, and that you're working in their life. And, Father, on their behalf, I'm grateful that you are an interactive God, Father. You're not distant. You're not out there in space somewhere. But you're interactive in nature, Lord. And you interact with us every day throughout each day. We declare each person, Lord, blessed in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen and amen. All right. Now you can be seated. Sometimes you just got to do that. You know what I mean? Well, listen, this is our third installment of Crosswalk, and we're coming off of a series of messages called Crosstalk. And uh, in Crosstalk, we, we led up to Easter, where we see that Jesus was led, you know, uh, on the hill, Golgotha, and then he was crucified. And we know what happened. He was taken down from the cross. He was buried. And then on the third day, what happened? He rose again, the resurrection. Now, what that tells me is that there's an empty cross and there's an empty tomb. There's an empty grave. The resurrection tells me that when he said it is finished, he meant it. And that on our behalf, he finished some things for us. Now, talking about this issue of crosswalk, the reason why this has captured my heart so much is because I'm a real practical, pragmatic individual. Do we have any practical people in here? Now, I love theology, I love study, I loved academics, I loved going to school, I loved seminary, I loved college, I love it all. And still to this day, I'm one of those weirdos who loves conferences and seminars. What? We get to learn? We get to study? I'm just like a kid in those places. Where's my notepad? Where, I mean, I'm all into it now. And so I'm just that way, so I love information. However, the flip side of the coin is, is that I've got to be able to take those things and apply them to real life. So we had a cross-talk series. Now we're in a cross-walk series because we've got to know how this works. we got to know, we have to know how Christianity works. Because if we don't know how it works, then it just stays in a theory realm. It just stays out there. So what we want to talk about is walking it out because it's not enough to have it in your head. We've got to get it in our heart and in our life. The Bible says that we're his hands and feet in the world. I mean, we literally are the representation of Jesus in the world. So we've got to know how to represent, amen? Not just in theory, but in actual and practical. This is how it works. So today we're going to talk about yet one more element of this idea of crosswalk and how it works. And the Bible says this, that we are to walk worthy or live worthy of the calling with which we've been called. Ephesians chapter 4. Why don't you show it up there, Randall? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 says this. And this is Paul speaking to the church at Ephesus, and he makes a, a bold statement. He says he's a prisoner for the Lord. A prisoner. In other words, I am in change. Let me tell you something. Bob Dylan, I'm about to date myself big time. Bob Dylan made a comment and wrote, he said, you're going to serve somebody. Everybody is going to serve somebody. I don't care how high up you are. Well, wait, the President of the United States, well, he serves the people. He's supposed to. It's the idea, right? Everybody's going to serve somebody. 
And let me tell you something. We know this as followers of Jesus, as Christians, that there are two kingdoms set up. There's a kingdom of light. There's a kingdom of darkness. You are going to serve somebody. Let me tell you something. There is no middle earth in the kingdom. There is no purgatory where it's a sort of a hangout season. There is no Switzerland in the kingdom of God. There is no neutral territory, no, to, no neutral ground. You can't go hang out in Switzerland and say, I, don't, I refuse to fight. I'm choosing a life as a kingdom person of passivity. It will not work for you. There is no Switzerland in the kingdom of God. You are in a fight. Did you know you were born literally into a world at war? Then when you were born again, you were born into a spiritual war. So it never stops. You're like, when will this stop? It won't. You will have times and seasons of rest and reprise. But let me tell you something. It will not stop. You were born into it and you will live through it. But here's the deal. We have to walk worthy of the calling with which we've been called. Let me say, show you this again. He says he is a prisoner for the Lord. You're going to serve somebody. Who are you going to serve? And I want to challenge you today. You've got to make a choice who you're going to serve. You have to choose. There is no Switzerland. Say it with me. There is... No Switzerland. All right, I want you to get this in your mind. You cannot choose a middle ground because there is not one. Well, I'm just going to be a nominal Christian. I love Jesus, but I don't really want to get all fanatical. I love Jesus. I just don't want to get all crazy about it. You know how those Christians can get. I mean, you know how people can just get over the edge. They're extreme. Let me tell you something. I, I, give me some of that extremism. Give me somebody who's got something that so moves them and so motivates them that they got to shout. Give me somebody that's so moved that they got to do something. They can't just stand still. Give me a teenager that's got to jump up and down, uh, whether he has rhythm or not. Amen? I'm not going to say who does and who doesn't. It doesn't matter. That's not an issue. It's the heart that matters. Give me some of that extremism. Paul says he was a prisoner. A prisoner. What are you? You're a prisoner too, by the way. But what are you a prisoner of? Who are you? serving today paul says this as a prisoner for the lord he declares his allegiance he says i urge you to live a life worthy now the new king james the old king james says to walk to walk he says to walk in a way that is worthy of the calling of the lord he says to live a life because the word walk means that very thing it means how you live how you conduct yourself to live to walk a life worthy of the calling you have received. There's some things that are common here to all of us. One, you're a prisoner. We're going to all serve somebody. Two, that you have to walk this thing out. There is a walk. There's a calling. And that is common to all of us. All of us have been called to walk. Now, let me tell you something about my wife. My wife walks. But let me tell you something. She doesn't walk like normal people. She power walks. Let me tell you, when you invite me to go run, I'm like, I'm all there. You, she says we're going to go power walk. I'm like, I don't know if I can handle it. I'm serious. She is intense. She's like a machine. And so when we get, and she got short legs. She's out of the room right now. She's got short legs. It is quick. She's got short legs. And here I am. I got long stilt legs. And I'm telling you, that girl can fly. Have any of you ladies ever walked with a net? Anybody? Yeah. And live to tell about it. I'm telling you, you got to have recovery time after walking with that girl. Because she did not go, you know, 500 yards. She's going to go three or four miles. 
The door cracked open. I thought it was her for a sec. I mean, she's going to walk. I mean, she's going to go and uphill, downhill, uphill. And what we do when we walk together is we pray and we, we walk. So we, we power walk and we power prayer. But I've learned to do something because I'm a guy and I'm smart about these things. I've learned that when a hill's coming up, that I'll go ahead and pray and walk while we're, while we're on level ground. You know what I mean? I'm like, woo, glory to God. We pray for our city, pray for our church, pray for our staff, pray for our people. I mean, we're just praying. And then we hit the hill, and I'm like, okay, honey, it's your turn. <laughs> Going up the hill. I mean, we're like totally out of breath. And she's like just throwing down. Let me tell you something. There, there's walking, then there's walking. And I have, have to believe that the walk that we've been called to is not a casual stroll. Isaiah says that you'll walk and not grow weary. You'll, you'll, you'll run. You'll run and not grow weary. You'll walk and not faint. But let me tell you something. I don't think it's a casual stroll. I don't think we're just stopping and smelling the roses along the way and just taking it casually. I believe this walk is very intentional and it's very focused. Let me throw up the definition of walk because I have it up here. Walk means this. And in the Greek, it's peripateo. It literally means this. To conduct one's life. How you live, act, and conduct yourself to make one's way on an ongoing basis. In other words, it is how you live your life every day. That's what the walk means. So this walk we're on, this cross walk, taking this idea of it is finished, and then we bring it into real life and say, this is how I'm going to walk every day. This is what I do. I live my life. I'm power walking. Someone say power walking. To make one's way on an ongoing basis, it means to really live. Now, I want to just give you a couple of things. How do you live your life worthy of the calling? How do we do that? What does that look like for us? Two things I want to say here. One is position and posturing, okay? Very simple, easy to remember. But here's the deal. I want you to understand something, that when you were born again, you were placed, according to the Bible into Christ, okay? You're placed into Him. You're positioned in Him. You're positioned as a person of righteousness. You're placed into Him. And let me tell you something. When we talk about being positioned in Christ or positionally put into place, that means literally it's the fact that He said it is finished and He has done His part. Okay, so that's his part. And I want to give you a couple of scriptures that go with that. Randall, go ahead and throw that up. In 2 Corinthians, it says this. God made him, this is Jesus that he's referring to, who knew or had no sin to be sin. Do you understand Jesus didn't just take our sins on the cross? He actually became sin in that moment. It's huge and it's, it's revolutionary and it, it, it's, it's, it's epic in nature that he didn't just take our sins. He became sin in that moment. That's why God had to look away. It says he had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, someone say in him. This is the positional thing whereby we're placed into him when we appropriate what he did on the cross for us. Look what it says. In him, we might become the righteousness of of God. So in him you are righteous. You know what that means? That means you can come with confidence before his throne of grace. Wait a minute, I'm not perfect. <laughs> True. But you are being perfected. There is a process going on here. The word perfect in the Bible doesn't mean what you think it means anyway because it doesn't mean perfectionism, it means whole. 
whole or sound, complete. So he's not talking about that anyway. So here's the deal. In him, we are made right. The word right, literally the best way to remember it, is upright. You're able to stand upright in his presence. That means you don't have to cower. You don't have to go in afraid. I said this a week or two ago. It's not like the high priests who every year went in to atone for the sins of the nation who had to tie a rope around their ankle in case, in case they fell dead in the presence of God in the Holy of Holies, and they would literally drag their body out. Can you imagine being on that duty? Uh, listen, champ, you're, you're, this year, your job is if the priest didn't go through the ceremony just right and he drops dead in God's presence, your job is to drag him out. Hold that rope. And if it goes slack, give it a little tug. Can you imagine? This really happened. And so can you imagine just being there going, okay, he's atoning for the sins. Okay, I see smoke. I smell stuff. Things happening in there. And then the rope will go slack. Can you imagine? Tug, see if you got anything. He's like, is he responding? Yeah, I'm good, I'm good, let go. But can you imagine being the person dragging that, that body, that corpse out, that was struck dead by the presence of God because that person refused to do exactly what God said to be holy before him. Can you imagine being the one dragging that body out? I can't I don't even imagine that moment. But here's the deal. In him, say in him. This is the positioning. This is like when you go up and, and I remember going up to a place that's called Rock Hole up in West Texas. It's in between Post and Tohoka in the middle of nowhere, literally. And it is a work to get there. But it's a natural spring that has it's created a little cavern or, or like a canyon. And it's got a little waterfall on it. And it's got cliffs that you can jump off of into the water after you clear all the water moccasins out. Because it was always had a bunch of those. And so, so somebody had to jump in first. You know what I mean? Not me. Somebody had to jump in first, get them all cleared out, and then we'd play and have a good time. So this place was just one of those classic, unbelievable natural features. But it had a waterfall whereby it was really cool when it was 101 degrees on a hot West Texas August day to go out to Rock Hole and hang out with your friends. So we'd make our way out there, and the first thing you'd hear as you were kind of coming up over the ridge is you'd hear the waterfall, and it was loud. And the closer you got, the louder it got. Well, how crazy would it have been? Because you had to hike two miles just to get there. And folks, I didn't have air conditioner in my truck back in the day, okay? So it was a little different. So, you, I mean, you, by the time you get there, all you could think about was positioning yourself under that waterfall. To be positioned means you actually are placed under. And so getting under the waterfall and being there in that position to receive that position, that place. And so when we are made the righteous of God, here's the beauty of it. God positions us. That's his part. Here's the, here's the tragedy, though. There's a real devil who hates your guts and wants you to live a life of abject defeat. And so what he will do is convince you that you're not in him and that you're not righteous before God. So that every time you come to God, you come cowering. Every time you come to God, you feel ashamed. Every time you come into his presence, you feel condemned. Every time we try to worship, you can't. I mean, you might go through the motions and mumble a few words, but you can't actually just go, ah, oh, God, thank you. See, when you've lost that sense of being the righteousness of God in Christ, where you forget that you are now positioned in him, then you can't worship. 
and this becomes work for you. Oh, God, I got a church today. Oh, well, it's good for the kids. We need to get them there. And it becomes work. It becomes labor. And then it becomes easy to go, ah, I'm tired. Ah, I don't know if we should go. Ah, I don't, you know, we had a long day yesterday. It was tough. I, you know, everybody else will be there. They'll understand. And it's just so easy when we lose sight of the fact that I've been made righteous, which means I don't have to do anything but just step into his presence. Not because I'm good, but because I've been made righteous. Does this make sense? That's what that is about, that we've been made the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. And that is the part that he does. Now, the posturing, this is our part. This is where, and by the way, we do have some responsibility in this. It's so easy to go, okay, it's all about him and none about me. No, it is some about you. We have a responsibility. Amen? Here it is. That means we get to posture ourselves. And here's our part. First Peter, check it out. First Peter says this, Therefore, prepare your minds. This is posturing. I've got to do something. I've got to prepare my mind for action. Listen, if I'm preparing myself for action, when I played football, man, it was like calisthenics, you're getting loosened up, you're getting ready, you're getting loosened up, you're wrapping stuff, you're, you're, you're covering parts that are about to get killed. I mean, you are, you're getting ready, you're getting mentally prepared, and you are preparing your mind for action. We'd sit in the, in the locker room for sometimes hours, we'd get there early on a Friday afternoon, sit in the, in the locker room and listen to Journey in Boston, that's how we got ready for a football game, and we'd have it cranking over the system, really dated myself again, and, uh, but what we were doing, we were preparing our minds for action, we were getting focused, getting focused, getting focused, posturing means that you are getting yourself ready, turn to your neighbor and say, he's definitely talking about you. Posturing yourself for action. You've got to prepare your mind. Prepare your mind. He says this, be self-controlled. Here's the beauty about self-control. Did you know it's a fruit of the Spirit? Here's how we know if you're walking in the Spirit, you have self-control. No self-control, you're not walking in the Spirit. Oh, gosh, that sounds simplistic. Sorry, I'm a simple man. This is what the Bible says. So when we are self-controlled, we're posturing ourselves. The Lord, Holy Spirit, you take over. It's you. You walk this out. I, I want to bear the fruit of the Spirit in me, spirit of self-control. It says this, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. By the way, that word grace also does not just mean favor or unmerited favor. It means power. It means strength. It means ability. It means all of those things. So grace is a lot more than just get out of sin free card. It's actually power. So you set your hope, you posture yourself by setting your hope on that grace. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you. I'm focused on that. I expect the grace of God to be manifest in my life. I hope that makes sense. All right, next scripture. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Folks, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. See, there was a time when I lived in a formal way of living, but I don't live that way anymore because now I don't have to conform to that way of life. I can now posture myself to a new way of life as an obedient child. Father, I love you so much, I want to obey you. Not, Father, I'm so afraid you're going to kill me that i got to obey you. Oh, Lord, I'm so afraid I'll be held accountable for my sin, so I'm going to obey you. No, it's more like, Father, I love you so much, I just want to do what you want me to do. God, what are we going to do today? 
That's so different than approaching God in fear, condemnation, guilt. Oh, if I don't do this, I'm going to get struck. I'm going to get thumped off the earth today. Or it could be, oh, God, what are we going to do today? Let's go. Let's go. Let's rock. Lock and load. Let's go. See, there's a different mentality and different attitude. Next scripture. But just as he who called you is holy, look what we're supposed to do. This is posturing where we place ourselves. We've already been placed in Christ. That's been taken care of. But our responsibility is to posture ourselves. Posturing means the way you hold yourself, the way you carry yourself, the way you walk. There it is. As he who called you is holy, so be what? Holy. Holy. Set apart in all you do. So just as he's holy, my responsibility is to be what? Holy Holy and set apart. See, that's our desire as we walk this thing out. It's like, Lord, I'm thankful that you have done your part. But now, Lord, I know I have a responsibility to do my part. I have a responsibility to walk this grace out. Here's the second thing. You've got to live and walk as the person God has created you to be. Listen to this. Not as the person you or our culture has labeled you to be. This is so critical to understand. I want our worship team to make their way up. Come on, team. This is so critical to understand that I am, I get to posture. I get to live out. I get to walk out the way God has called me to be. The way God has identified me to be. This is such a critical thing, and I'm not going to have time to go deep into this. But you've got to understand, you are more than you think you are. You were so amazing to God and in His sight that He actually allowed His own Son to die for you. That makes you pretty special. That makes you pretty important. But it's amazing because we live in a world where people feel unworthy, We've, we live in a world where, where people feel like they don't matter, so they have to blog, they have to tweet, they have to post, they have to do a lot of things just to get some attention, just to get some feedback, because I feel unworthy. I'm not saying everybody who's on Twitter or Facebook is doing that, but a lot of folk are. Or they'll turn to negative things to get attention, because everybody wants to feel like they're worth something. Sat with somebody this week, just said, I just don't. I just don't feel like I matter. And I listened. Because I didn't want to react. I just wanted to listen and hear their heart. They said, I just don't feel like I'm doing anything of any importance. I don't feel like I matter. And I said, let me tell you something. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Wherever you are, Christ is. So wherever you are, you carry the kingdom. I'm telling you, it is more about a ministry of being and a ministry of presence than it is a ministry of doing. We get real big on doing, and we're all about that in our culture. But at some point, you've got to realize that when I walk into Walmart, I just brought the kingdom of heaven with me. When I walk into Target, when I walk into Jason's Deli, when I walk into wherever, I am bringing the kingdom with me. When I walk into a classroom, I bring the kingdom of God. That makes me somebody. And it doesn't matter what the culture says or thinks. So there's an identity issue that has got to be fixed in here. Even churches can take on a mentality of being passed over, left behind, not important. But let me tell you something. The bride of Jesus Christ, whether it's down here on a street corner four blocks away and there's 12 people in there this morning, they're beautiful in His sight. And that church matters. It doesn't 
We get so caught up on the external and God says, no, 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 no. It's about me in you and wherever you go, you take me. But what we have to get to the point of is where we let him out. So that we exhibit and demonstrate the kingdom. Here's the last scripture, Matthew 6.33. Matthew 6.33. I quote this all the time. We say it all the time. But you got to understand that when this happens, God happens. The kingdom happens. This walk we're talking about starts to manifest. And people that know you go, wow, they walk different than most. There's a different swagger on them than most. Why? Because of this right here. Look what it says. But seek first his kingdom and his, there's that word again, righteousness. Jesus, according to the Bible, we've been made the righteousness of God. So we seek his righteousness. His way of doing and being is what that literally means. And look what it says. All these things will be given to you as well. What, what is all that? It's all the needs that were listed in the scriptures before that. Clothing, place to live. Everything will be taken care of if we seek first the kingdom. And all of this that I've talked about today hinges on this one truth. Are you seeking the kingdom first? Because let me tell you something. Bob Dylan had it right. You're going to serve somebody. You are going to serve somebody. There is no Switzerland in this thing. You are serving somebody right now. And the question is, who are you serving? you bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your word. Lord, we want to walk this out. Lord, we don't want to have just bursts and moments of, of greatness. Bursts and moments where it all looks good. But God, on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or at a life group where we're a superstar, on a mission trip where we're a superstar for 10 days. Father, we want to learn to walk this out at home. Walk this out at the store. Walk this out in the workplace. Walk this out in the classroom where when people see us, we're the same everywhere we are. Help us to walk worthy of this calling. Worthy of this calling. Every head bowed.